0: This is Faithful Sayings, broadcast by the Leon Valley Church of Christ. Appreciate you tuning in. We're going to talk about developing a better work ethic for God today. And I want to begin in Ephesians, excuse me, Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13. I think that this is a good place to start because of the broad sweeping statement that it makes. In Ecclesiastes 12, 13, we read that the conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. You know, God's expectations have been known from the beginning regarding our purpose as people, why we were created, and that is to serve him first and foremost, to revere him, to love him, keep his commandments. That is the whole duty of man, your Bible might say. As it renders Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen. So, whatever we do with our time, in whatever job vocation we choose, we do it with all of our might for His glory, with that ultimate end in view, right? So we may be nurses or attorneys or teachers or janitors or mechanics, whatever whatever it may be. We do that hopefully all to His glory. And Ecclesiastes again in chapter nine and verse ten. Solomon says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no activity or planning or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol where you are going. And we find that same principle repeated in Colossians chapter 3 in the New Covenant in verses 23 and 24. Paul will say, whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord whom you serve. And this principle has always been effect and in an effect, right? There's there is no one higher or mightier than God. He is perfect. He deserves all obedience and submission. And he should dictate everything that we do, everything we think and say in our in our lives. He deserves our best in everything. And so that's going to carry over into whatever we do for a living, specifically as we're thinking about today. Uh, so we, we do it with all of our might, not because you know we are just so thrilled to be there each and every day of our lives, or we have such a great boss, or we love the people we work with. All of those things may be true, but even if they're, even if they weren't, even if it's a difficult situation we're in, we still want to do it for God's glory, to the best of our ability. Laziness is something that has always been condemned. So this is one particular area of application we can think about uh, as we study these passages and think on these passages that speak to us in regard to our work ethic. So one very well-known one is Proverbs 6. You remember the example of the ant in verses 6 through 11. So this is Proverbs 6, verses 6 through 11. Go to the ant, O sluggard, observe her ways and be wise, which having no chief officer or ruler prepares her food in the summer and gathers her provision in the harvest. How long will you lie down, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep and a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest. Your poverty will come in like a vagabond and your need like an armed man. So God is telling us We have to be, his people should be marked by their proactiveness and their diligence. They should not be waiting until, you know, they're not procrastinators. They are not sluggards or lazy people, as your translation might say. Uh, That's the kind of behavior that's that's condemned. And so maybe we're not, you know, just 100% psyched to go to work every day and we're not um, feeling 100%, you know, maybe we're a little down for whatever reason. We don't feel well physically or emotionally. We got other stuff going on or there's trouble. That is not an excuse to be half hearted in our efforts uh, But when we go out into the world for the day. You know, as God's people, we have to be willing to submit, of course, to Him first of all, but that entails. Submitting to God entails submitting also to our employers. And this is the point that Paul makes in Colossians 3.23. We read verses, um, actually we read verses 23 and 24 a minute ago. If you back up to verse 22 of Colossians chapter 3, Paul says this, Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth, not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Right, And then he, he reinforces that again in verse 24, knowing that it is, uh, excuse me, verse 23, you, you work as for the Lord rather than for men. But I want to emphasize this point about doing all things, and um, all things obey those who are your masters on earth. Now, you know, first century slavery had a very different character than what, you know, 21st century Americans think of when they hear that word slavery right it has some different uh, connotations from our own recent past in the 19th century but it, it here it was very common in Paul's time for educators to be slaves and so they would be responsible for teaching uh children they would live in the homes they would be supported you know with with food it was a, a different arrangement than probably what we think of and without getting too far off into you know comparing first century slavery to you know 19th century American slavery i, I th- we I think we should just focus on the principle of this you know what's being talked about in this relationship here you have a, a subordinate and you have somebody who's an authority over that individual and so that that principle that Paul is laying down here, even though we don't have slaves and we're not uh, slaves to our employers you know as as Paul is specifically talking about here um we that that relationship of subordinate and authority or boss still exists right so all i'm saying is that the principle here still applies now this assumes when paul is saying okay as god's people you're going to have to submit to your employers and those who are in authority over you and this by the way you know this this relationship uh, this instruction carries over in a lot of different relationships roman's chapter 13 for example our relationship to civil government, or to submit to those who are in authority, uh, kings, and whoever's ruling over us, civil authorities, because they don't bear the sword in vain, and they've been appointed by God to be His executors to punish lawlessness. And so, uh, and, and again, in the parent-child relationship, so all relationships in where there is a subordinate and an authority, the subordinate is to submit to that authority. Um, out of his respect for the ultimate authority of God, right? Because this is what God is saying to do. Now, uh, let me go back to what I was saying a minute ago. This assumes that in all of those relationships, whether we're talking about employer, employee, you know, a father, son, husband, wife, whatever, you know, civil government and citizen, whatever the relationship is, it assumes, this instruction assumes that that authority, that human authority is not hindering us from serving god or trying to compel us to be you know specifically as we're thinking about our jobs we don't uh, we you know we can't be dishonest if our employer is compelling us to do something dishonorable to help the company or dishonest to help the company you know we have to obey god rather than men and that's laid down in acts chapter 5 and verse 25 remember peter and the apostles who were taken into custody there because of their preaching you know they had been warned and 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 they would eventually be flogged and the the authorities there are saying we told you not to preach in the name of Jesus anymore uh you know, you're trying to bring this man's blood upon our hands and I'm I'm paraphrasing but Peter and the apostles answer we must obey God rather than men right so those individuals would have made a law and in history there had existed laws which forbid The worship of the true God and teaching others about Him, but at the end of the day, in the final analysis, right, His authority trumps everything. So we obey God rather than men. Now, you know, for the most part, you know, I've I've never worked for an employer who tried to compel me to do something dishonest. Maybe there were some instances, you know, in some cases where it it was just a day where something came up and it was desperate and, and uh, let me get, well, let me just give you the example that I'm thinking of. So I used to teach fifth grade and uh, I was brought in as kind of a special instructor and more of a disciplinary figure because of uh, some issues that arose with the the teacher that I replaced. And so this was a a special need kind of for these students uh, that I was, that were given into my charge. And it had turned out that this previous teacher had neglected to do a certain kind of test earlier in the year that was to be submitted to uh, the state level or some, you know, third party for review and they hadn't done it. And it's a and it turns out it was a, a pretty big deal. And so later after I came in, um, the principal wanted me to submit this test and she said, well, when they do it, just write this date on them. And of course it was, you know, a much earlier date when they should have taken it rather than the date that it was. And so that would be an an instance like, you know, just in a moment where if you're not thinking clearly and I wasn't, I just thought, okay, it needs to be done. And, but you know, that would have been an opportunity for me. And it was an opportunity to say, you know, I can't do that. That would be dishonest. We just need to be straight with the people that, yeah, we forgot, um, or, you know, explain what the situation was, you know, that not involve these kids and, writing down the wrong date because they certainly would have had question marks in their minds about why are we doing this? So, you know, there's, it's, it's not, my point is is that what we encounter isn't that we just have a completely reprobate uh, employer godless who just, you know, is wanting us to every, every single day run roughshod over something over one of God's commands. But there's those little moments that arise when we're not thinking clearly as we should and if we're not prepared you know, we uh, an opportunity, a, a test to show who we are, and an opportunity to show who we, who we are and the God that we serve. will we'll just completely blow because we're not ready for it. And that was an instance where, you know, as I think back to that, um, you know, you got to obey God rather than men. And our our employers should see the difference in our attitude and the difference in our priorities. It doesn't mean that we're you know bad at our jobs or we don't think our jobs are important. Um, and, and doing a good job is important. That's not the case. It's just that, you know, we, we should be doing a good job and think that it's important in the interest of serving our heavenly father and serving Jesus, uh, as, as his people. So do they, do our employers see people who are willing to give their best in whatever they do? And maybe someday they're curious and inquire about that as they get to know you better. And you understand, they understand that you're a disciple of Jesus. Right? And that's why you demonstrate someone's diligence in the workplace. That's why you're so scrupulous and you want to do things honestly and honorably. Right, And that, that will make an impression upon good and honest hearts. Paul brings this up again in Ephesians 6, verses 5 through 8. He says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, and the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart and with good will render service as to the Lord and not to men knowing that whatever good thing each one does this he will receive back from the Lord whether slave or free so he fleshes it out a little bit more there but essentially we have the same points right you you're not just trying to look good at at what you're doing that shouldn't be your goal at all but it needs to be a sincere honest effort because you're ultimately trying to be pleasing to Christ and that's going to have an impact first of all on your own fellowship with him but also those who are observing your co-workers and uh, your, your bosses and if we were to continue reading the very next verse Paul then addresses the other side of the relationship so Christians who are employers rather than employees maybe they're in positions of authority the same applies in verse 9 masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven, and there's no partiality with him. So be conscientious of of that. For the you know the same reason, the same reasons that we work hard as employees and are honest and trying to do our very best. Um, the same is the you know the same reason we should be good employers and honest and doing our, our very best and being kind to those who are in those positions. Uh, that are subordinate to our authority, given to our charge. And Paul gives us the reminder, the Master is going to judge everybody. He's the Master of all. It doesn't matter what position you have in this world. In the end, you're accountable to Him, and that's what you have to be thinking about. James tells us in James 2 and verse 13 that judgment will be merciless to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And Jesus says in Matthew 6.15, If you do not forgive others, then your Father will not forgive your transgressions. Um, so we're talking about th- those passages are talking about interpersonal sin and and people you know who are separated by sin, who have their relationships fractured by that. But I think the principle could be just as easily applied to employer-employee relationships. Uh, as we think about our responsibility to work and and be pleasing for the Lord, we want to demonstrate a gracious attitude toward employees and, and employers, you know, whatever side of the that relationship we're on. We've been tasked with uh, this, this tremendous responsibility, you know, as an employer, even if you have more authority than others in, in the workplace, you still have to be gracious, or at least you should be uh, as a Christian. You don't want to give anybody a reason to reproach Christ or you know if they if they know that you're a disciple of of Christ and you're just a, a nasty um, you know miserly boss and 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 unmerciful and you know just always jumping on people that you know that that reflects upon the one that you serve so what message are we sending to those around us you know each of us has a secular work Again, but we ultimately have a greater task that must be accomplished while we're at work. So we can think in terms of, uh, you know, serving God generally as we have up to this point and doing all things for Him. But in Titus chapter 2 and verse 7, we have this uh, this teaching that in all things, show yourself to be an example of good deeds with purity and doctrine and dignified. In Philippians 3.17, Paul says, brethren, join in following my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. And let me give you one more passage in 1 Peter 4, 11, that whoever speaks is to do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever serves is to do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies, so that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So as we're striving to bring glory to God and in, in being diligent, on the job, again, whatever job we have to do, we have this responsibility not to be good examples, just to be for the sake of being good examples, and certainly we're bringing glory to to God. But we want to influence people. We want to. We have this responsibility to to teach, right? Even though we may not be, uh, you know, a Bible class teacher or a preacher at the local church, we're still striving to to let our behavior influence all those around us and it can have a profound impact impact we're ultimately trying to bring them to to Jesus we want them to come and live under the rule of of Christ and have the hope of heaven and i say that to make this point that a lot of times you know it's it's tempting to compartmentalize our faith and so we you know we say okay well i you know, I go to church on Sunday or I go to Bible class or or whatever the case may be, and that's my time to worship and reflect on spiritual things and study the Bible. And then we, you know, we go to work and we just, we, we suppress that. We think, well, now I'm at work. It's time to talk about other things and focus on other things. And I, I understand, and we, you know, it's not that we're getting up on top of our desk on the job and we're preaching to our, our coworkers. That's not what I'm driving at but my my point is is that you know we we have this one aim and this one ultimate goal first peter 4:11 to bring glory to god influence those around us and it, that doesn't translate to you know again standing up on your desk and preaching but we still have to have that one singular focus even as we are going about our our day-to-day jobs you know we we don't want to compartmentalize anything we don't want to let our work schedules dictate when we serve or exercise our faith or try to teach others about god you know it's we we don't serve god because it's convenient and you know we have some days set aside for it when we go to church we have other days set aside for for other stuff no it's all encompassing you know it's not something that we work in when we have time because we're so busy with our jobs and our family it encompasses everything luke chapter 9 verses 59 and 62 jesus said to another follow me but he said lord Permit me first to go and bury my father. But he said to him, Allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. And another also said, I will follow you, Lord, but first permit me to say goodbye to those at home. But Jesus said to him, No one after putting his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Right. So there may be legitimate things on our schedules, right? I mean, these people are talking about, Well, I've got to bury my dad. You know, I've got I've got family at home I need to say goodbye to, right? And you have these these objections. Um but Jesus says they they don't have any weight with him. Right? There's there's too much important work to be done living in his kingdom to let things like you know, burying your family members get in the way. Go and do that, but don't forget your ultimate task fear God keep his commandments so everything we everything we do is ancillary to God's work everything we do is is subordinate to that you know just as all authorities and parents or governments or employers or or whoever eld- elderships all of that authority is still subordinate to God's authority and all the work we do in those contexts and all the the behaviors and, and the service we do in those contexts, they're still subordinate to God's work. You see the connection. It doesn't matter again if I'm a calf roper or what what I do for a living, all things are a distant second to doing God's work. And we the, the those vocations are important, and we're to earn livings to support ourselves and our families. But it's ultimately in the interest again of winning souls for christ and and even the most mundane task you know from a human perspective is to be done to God's glory. What did Paul say in first corinthians ten thirty one Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, do all to the glory of god right so you you see how pervasive that singular goal is to be in in our lives, so how can we? How can we reorient so that we're doing a better job? How can we help ourselves? I think one way a Scripture teaches us to to have that mindset um, is to pray. You know, begin and end each day with prayer, and not like half-hearted, you know, half-asleep kind of prayer, but but really be intentional, really be deliberate about it, and set aside time to do it, and, and to and to focus in in sincerity and ask God. To help you that that day uh to do your work heartily, as for him and and to find opportunities to to serve and teach others you see this in Jesus in Mark chapter one and verse thirty five uh, one of my favorite passages because it gives just that little glimpse into Jesus's private life. you know you see so much public teaching being done and, and so much public discourse and interaction. Uh, but mark 135 says that in the early morning while it was still dark jesus got up he left the house and he went to a secluded place and he was praying there right so he's you know th- th- this is him he's not carrying anybody with him he's going out this is a priority for him this is important to him i've i've got to get up i've got to be intentional i got to go and get by myself even if it's in the wee hours of the morning and the sun's not even up i got to go and say a prayer and to face the day and that's a perfect example for us. Um, so, have that intentional intentionality be deliberate, and take the initiative. Consider Jesus and his approach to the woman at the, at the well. Um, take the take the initiative and engage in, in people. John chapter four. You know he broke the status quo when he talked to that Samaritan woman, and he initiated the conversation. Uh, she was surprised that he was speaking to her when the disciples came back they were surprised that he was speaking to her nobody asked him why are you talking to this lady so we he just he just wasn't afraid to be honest with people to engage anybody and you know like i mentioned in this scenario earlier from my own life in that illustration you know just that that moment just popped up out of nowhere it seemed like you know i was we were just going through our regular routine and it comes the principal she says hey i need you to do this this and this in in and, and it was a, a missed opportunity for me when I could have just taken the initiative and said, I, you know, just got to be honest with you. I don't think I can do that, you know? And then here's why, you know, we can't be afraid to tell people about who Jesus is and what he's done and, and what his values are and how that's affected us and why I can't go through and, and do this behavior, whatever it is you're asking me, that's contrary to his will. Now, is that going to cost you? It, it could have, I'm, I'm inclined to think, you know, if I could go back in time and, say that, you know, they may have dismissed me and, um, but, or, you know, and in the very least it would have made, you know, there would have been some friction attention with that, with my boss, but I still would have been right with God. So there's going to be sacrifices you have to make. Um, and don't lose heart if there's not an immediate response, you know, that influence can take time to bear fruit, but it, it does ultimately bear fruit. If, you know, when we come across those good and honest hearts, like Peter teaches in first Peter three, as he's telling wives there in that relationship, he says, you know, uh, submit to your husbands and so that you may win them over with your, your good and chaste behavior. Right. So he's, He's talking about why Christians who are married to unbelieving husbands, and he's he's telling them that um, they can be one without a word if you continue reading there and in, in, in verse seven, by by the behavior of their wives, and he's he's speaking to the power of that influence that eventually bears fruit. Uh, so don't immediately write anybody off. People can surprise us, and you can find yourself on fertile soil at any moment. If I had to to sum up our our entire lesson in a phrase, it would be that worshiping and serving God doesn't revolve around family and careers. Rather, it works through those things. And family and careers revolve around worshiping and serving God. That's our entire purpose, right? Going back to where we started, Ecclesiastes twelve thirteen, the whole duty of man is to fear God and keep his commandments. And Jesus teaches us Matthew 22:37 and 38, that the, the greatest command is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. That is our ultimate purpose and goal. So do people see that love for God in us each and every day as we go to work or go to school or do whatever it is we do for a living? Thanks for listening.